You say, Pastor, I find that a little hard to believe. But the Apostle John penned in John chapter 1 and verse 3. He said that all things, everybody say all things. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And so why did Jesus have the authority and insight to be able to describe hell to you? And why do you think that He preached on hell more than anyone else? I'll tell you this morning. It's because Jesus had first-hand knowledge of what hell was going to look like. Jesus understood more than anybody else just how absolutely horrible and terrifying that place was going to be. He also knew He was the only way for man to escape that judgment. And so that's the reason that Jesus was the one preacher that preached more about hell than anybody else in your Bible. As you read through the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus preached about this place. He said, this is a place where there is darkness. He said there is continual weeping and gnashing of teeth. In another part of Scripture, He describes this place. He says this is a place where the fire is not and cannot ever be quenched and the worm will never die. And that place that Jesus is describing here, please understand this morning, is a kingdom all in of itself. The place that Jesus preached about, the place that I was just describing, this is a place, brothers and sisters, that if you find yourself there, please get it in your heart this morning. If you find yourself there, there is no escaping. There is no second chance. If you find yourself in hell, please understand this morning that there will never be any more hope for you ever again from that day into eternity. The Bible says that you will live in eternity in a body that will forever burn, but you cannot die. You will live eternity in a place where you will pray for death, but death will not come. You will be in a place where your body will forever burn, but will never be consumed. You will be in a place where the pain will never subside and the torment will never end. This is the kingdom of hell. Please understand this morning that this is a kingdom and a place that was never created or meant for you and me today. But the Bible does say that this will be the eternal resting place for all of those that reject the love of God. For all of those that refuse the truth. And for all of those that choose to live in the wickedness of this world. Let me tell you this morning. This will be your destination. Matter of fact, let me requalify that statement. Hell is not a destination, hell is a choice. You say, Pastor, I don't believe anybody would choose to go to hell. When you choose not to be obedient to the Word of God, when you stand on a church pew week in and week out and the Spirit of God can't get to you, when you've heard the Word of God preached and you will not respond to it, 
then you've made a choice. And there's not one sermon I can preach that'll save you. There's not one prayer I can pray that'll save you. The Bible says that you've got to save yourselves from this untoward generation. You have got to make sure that your election is sure. Amen. What I can do up here is I can give you the keys to the kingdom. I can tell you what you've got to do to be saved. I can tell you what you've got to do to be born again. I can preach to you that after you've obeyed Acts 2.38, you need to go on and you need to live a holy life. You need to separate yourself from the wickedness of this world. You need to put away all of those filthy things that you used to do and think and say and listen to and watch. And you need to turn your eyes towards God and you need to live a holy life unto the Lord. And I don't really care about the church down the road this way or the church up the road saying this way. Holiness is still right. Holiness is still biblical. And the Bible says that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I'm preaching to you this morning on the contrast between two kingdoms. I'm preaching to you about one that came to redeem and one that came to save and bless and bring peace. And I'm also preaching to you about a kingdom that came to do nothing except what Jesus said in John 10.10 to steal and to kill and to destroy you. I'm preaching to you about one kingdom that came to deliver. One kingdom that came to bring you out of bondage. And one that came to bring you into bondage. One kingdom to bring true peace. And joy. And one that will constantly leave you searching and completely empty. One that will leave your life and your mind and your thoughts in chaos. One that will bring depression and anxiety. I'm preaching to you this morning about one kingdom that is driven by an unrivaled love and passion for you. And another kingdom that hates your guts more than you'll ever know. And you say, Pastor... Why would hell hate my guts? I never did anything to it. Let me tell you this morning. It hates you because it hates Him. And whether you're living for God or whether you're not, you're still created in His image. And so when hell looks at you, it sees Him. And hell hates Him. And so hell hates you. I'm preaching to you this morning that there is a battle that is going on even as I stand in this pulpit and I speak this morning. There is a battle that is raging between two kingdoms for souls that are sitting under my voice this morning. There's a battle that is being waged for souls down in the valley and souls up the road. There's a battle that's being waged for the souls of our children. And it's a battle that has been raging since Adam fell in the garden. Only now, please hear me this morning. Over the last 20, and I think most of you would probably agree with me today, over the last 20 to 30 years, Hell has done exactly what the prophet Isaiah said it would. Hell has enlarged itself. The kingdom of hell has enlarged itself and opened its mouth 
Why? To make room for the millions and even perhaps billions who will be cast into that horrible place. Those that will forever become a trophy in that kingdom on the day of judgment. Brother Carl, do you want to know what the greatest trophies on hell's walls are? I'll tell you. Preacher's kids. You want to know what the second greatest trophy on hell's walls are? The children of saints. And in the third trophy room of hell are the heads of God's once, once, once elect. Those that were once faithful those that once lived for God, those that once lived a life of obedience but turned back like a pig going back to wallow in the mire, like a dog returning to its vomit, turned back to bondage when God had already set them free. Maybe that's the reason that the Apostle Peter said, for them it would be better had they ever known the way or the righteousness of God than to have known and to turn away from it. But these are the eternal trophies hanging in the halls of the kingdom of hell. And you know the most shocking thing that's going to happen in that day? That the Bible tells me that there's going to be those people they're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we've done all of these things in Your name. And we've done all of these things in Your name. And I volunteered for this ministry. And I cleaned this up. And I did this thing. And we did all of these things. And it's not going to matter. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just because you call Jesus Lord does not mean you're going to make it there. He said, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then he said, here is my answer. He said, then I will profess to them, depart from me, because I never knew you. But, 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 but Lord, I was in church every Sunday, and that's where your faith ended. Because Monday through Saturday, I didn't hear anything from you. Monday through Saturday, you never cracked the book open. But, but, but Lord, I, I cleaned the church. I did this. I did this. Depart from me. I never knew you. Please hear your pastor this morning. There will only be two answers. On that day that the Bible calls the great and terrible day of the Lord. 
Bible says on that day that the books will be opened. What books? These right here. The books will be opened. And your life, every word you spoke, every thought you entertained, everything you ever did will be judged by these books. And then the Bible says that the Lamb of God Himself, the only one that is worthy to open the books, that He will open the Lamb's book of life. And if your name is not found within those pages, then the response on that day is going to be, Depart from Me! But Jesus, depart from Me! But Lord, give Me! But depart from Me! But why? Because I never knew you. But, but once, that was once. And you walked away. But Jesus, remember that one camp. Remember that one service. Remember that one time at the altar, I do. But the next day, you went right back into the filth that I brought you out of that day. You went right back to hanging out with the same people. Listening to the same things. Doing the same things that I delivered you from that day. Depart from me! And for those whose names are present in that book, the answer will be much, much different. When the Lord judges you by the books of this Bible, and the Lamb opens the Lamb's book of life, if your name is listed in there, then the answer will be this for you. Enter in, thou good and faithful. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I want somebody to understand this morning, in that day there will be no begging. In that day there will be no excuse accepted. Jesus, I couldn't serve you because of this person in my life. I couldn't serve you because of this pressure in my life. I couldn't serve you because of this circumstance in my life. I couldn't serve you because of the way that I was raised. I couldn't serve you because of things that I endured in my life. I couldn't serve you because of, of the people in my workplace. There will be no excuse that will be accepted on that day. And there will be no turning back. Please hear me this morning. If you are not born again of both the water and the Spirit, then today is the day of salvation. Do not leave your eternal resting place up to chance. Thirty years ago, that's all. Thirty years ago, the kingdom of hell operated in the shadows. Thirty years ago, that's how it operated, hiding its intentions, secretly hashing out its plans and its attacks. But hear me this morning, thirty years ago in that day, the moral standard within our country was much different. 
30 years ago, there were still millions who still stood for righteous principles. There were still many that held tight to personal morals. And there were many more that were faithful to the house of God. There were many more that feared God. And more importantly, the church 30 years ago was a house of prayer. And because of that alone, please hear me this morning, because of that alone, hell could not openly carry out its attacks. It could not openly carry out its plans. But please understand this morning that while the kingdom of hell operated in the shadows, that kingdom was growing stronger. The Apostle John writes... In his epistles, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. He said, little children, it is the last time. It's the end time. And as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. And even now there are many antichrists. He didn't mean that there was more than one antichrist in the sense of end time prophecy. He meant that there is an array of antichrist spirits operating. And he says it's because of this. This is how he ends that scripture. He said it's because of what we see that we know we are living in the last time. Two chapters later in 1 John 4 and 3. He goes on to say that the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard it should come, he said, even now it is already in the world. Even back when John penned those letters, the spirit of Antichrist, he said, was working in the world. And so yes, there was a spirit of Antichrist in that time. But brothers and sisters, the spirit that is operating in the world today is different. The spirit that is operating in the world today is refocused. It's regrouped. It is operating its attacks with pinpoint accuracy. So that the things that were once done in the dark are being openly pushed in the open. Please hear me this morning. The things that we know to be unnatural are now being called normal. The things that we once knew as being wicked are now being hailed as good. And you may be saying to yourself this morning, how does that happen? And I'll tell you, because now the hearts of men are ready to receive it. You look at all of the statistics today. Church attendance in the United States has been on the decline for a couple of decades. There's still as many people that identify as Christians, but they don't go to church. I am happy to tell you that about the only church on the earth right now that continues to increase in size is the apostolic church. There's a reason for that. But now we're living in a world 
where men's hearts are ready to receive the wickedness of the kingdom of hell, the things that were once done in the shadows. Hell does not have to hide anymore. Let me tell you, this morning, hell is no longer afraid. Jesus touched on this when he was prophesying about what the end time would look like just prior to his second coming. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, he said that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That word iniquity means rebellion and wickedness. He said because wickedness would increase upon the face of the earth, that the love in the hearts of people would begin. The hearts of men would become hardened. The love of many would wax cold. Brothers and sisters, can you think of any other reason why we can murder Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of babies every single year and people just simply turn their head and go on about life. Because wickedness abounds in our culture and the love of many waxed cold. Please hear me this morning, brothers and sisters. Hell... In its kingdom and its army is no longer afraid to challenge the morals of our culture. It is no longer afraid to challenge the long-held social norms. It is not afraid anymore to completely violate and pervert reason and sanity itself with lies. Why? Because hell has come to realize that there is very little resistance to its agenda. That's the reason, brothers and sisters, right now, hell's not afraid to push socialism in our public schools. That's the reason hell is no longer afraid to push the LGBTQ agenda in our elementary schools. That's the reason that you see these videos coming out of school boards that are talking about ways to circumvent the authority of parents so that they can start third and fourth graders on hormone blockers because they're confused and have confused them into believing that their gender is something different than the way they were born. Hell's not afraid to indoctrinate our children. Then why are we... Why are we afraid to stand for righteousness? Why are we afraid to stand for holiness? Why are we afraid to stand for the truth? I'll tell you why. Because hell has backed the church into a corner. You shouldn't be judgmental. I haven't judged anything. This book judged it. And by God, you would be better off being judged by me than to stand before Jesus on the day and be judged by that book. You would be better off by me saying if you continue in that lifestyle, you can't be saved. Unless you're baptized in Jesus' name, you can't be saved. Unless you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't be saved. Pastor, are you being mean? I'm not being mean. I love you enough to tell you the truth. But here's what Jesus said.
Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14, he said, here's what you are. He said, you are both the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. You say, why is that important, pastor? That's important because light illuminates and exposes darkness. Light is not, if you look at the very definition, light is not the absence of darkness. If you look at the definition of darkness, it says darkness, brother Joel, is the absence of light. So when light is absence, darkness can do whatever it wants to do. And as long as you and I cower in the corner, as long as you and I refuse to tell people the truth, as long as you and I are afraid of upsetting the powers that be, darkness will prevail because there is no light to shine against it. Salt. Why did Jesus use that? That's because salt was a highly valuable mineral used in those days for one specific thing. Anybody know what that is? What was that? Preservation. It preserved things. So Jesus was telling his soon-to-be church, He said, one day you will be the only things standing in the way of hell's victory. Because I have ordained you to be salt and light. And I didn't just tell you what to go do, I empowered you to do it. Anybody remember the Feast of Pentecost? Anybody remember an outpouring of the Holy Ghost? He's not only ordained us to go and be salt and light, but He's given us the power to go and do so in the Holy Ghost. What I've come this morning, what I've come this morning to preach to you, and I want those that will be listening on the podcast to understand and those that will be watching the live stream earlier or the live stream earlier, Here's what I want you to get this morning. Hell is not afraid of 21st century Christianity. And hell is not afraid of the 21st century church. Please hear me this morning. Hell is not afraid of churches where there are not sovereign and powerful moves of God. Hell is not afraid of a people or any person who will not worship Hell is not afraid of any Christian that will not bring himself or herself to an altar and seek the Lord. Let me go one step further. Hell is not afraid of church attendees. Hell is not afraid of a congregation or gathering of people, whether it be 10 or 1,000. Hell is not afraid of your weekly religious ceremony. Hell is not afraid of the name on the church sign. And hell is not afraid of how many pews we fill. And please get this this morning. Hell is most definitely not afraid of a church that does not pray. But let me tell you what hell is afraid of. Let me tell you what leaves the kingdom of hell shaking. Hell is afraid of truth. Hell is afraid of true doctrine. Why? Because Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And by that truth, 
He said, you'll be set free. The Apostle James says this in James 2 and verse 19. He said that if you will believe that there is just one God, you'll do well. He said because every devil in hell also believes the same thing and because they know the truth, they tremble. Hell is afraid of the truth. Hell is not afraid of false doctrine. Hell is not afraid of false doctrine. And I'll tell you why this morning. Because hell is the one that authored it. Let me say that again this morning. Hell is not afraid of false doctrine. Because hell's the one that authored it. It's not afraid of false doctrine because false doctrine has no truth. And so it has no power. And if it has no power, then it is not a threat to the kingdom of hell. Hell is not afraid of saved Christians that bear no fruit. Hell is not afraid of Christians that do not witness to others. Hell is not afraid of people that believe they're Spirit-filled even though they're not because somebody has lied to them. Please understand this morning, a person can call themselves whatever they want, but hell is not afraid of our self-identifying titles. There is something else hell does fear. (laughs) Oh, sister, you're in the Holy Ghost this morning. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29. The Bible says that Jesus had just come across a body of water and he ended up on the shores of a place called... um, I can't remember the name of the area now. Gadarenes, the area of the Gadarenes. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus finds himself just on the outskirts of some tombs. And you see, there was this man who was notorious in that area. And he lived among the tombs. And he ran around that area. And he was a wild man. And he ran around in the, and he was naked. And there wasn't anybody in the towns or villages that could control him. The Bible said that they would put him in chains and he would break the chains no matter how thick it were. And they would put his feet in fetters and he would, he would break away. And anybody that came near the tombs, he would attack them. He was driven by demonic supernatural power and there wasn't anybody that could control him. But the Bible says that when the feet of the miracle man hit the shore... That that man came running out of those tombs. And that devil that nobody else could control fell before the feet of the Master. And he said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And then Mark, Mark, he outlines that in Mark chapter 1 and verse 24. That same man, he said, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee and who thou art. You are the Holy One of God. And so there wasn't a man in the area that controlled him. But when God Himself stepped on the shore, amen, it come running out of the tombs and it fell before the feet of the Master. You're saying, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about one other thing that hell fears. Hell fears the name of Jesus.
Why? Why does hell fear that name? Hell fears that name because in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, Jesus said that he himself beheld Satan fall from heaven as a bolt of lightning. Let me put that in perspective for you, brothers and sisters. That is 224,000 miles per hour. That's how fast the fight was over. He said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Lightning travels at 224,000 miles per hour. That's how fast the fight was over. And yet hell still wants to convince somebody here today that you got to live with depression. Hell still wants to convince somebody today that you got to live with anxiety. Somebody still wants to convince hell today that God can't deliver you, He can't deliver your children, and He can't save you. But I've come to tell somebody, if you want hell to cower, just call on the name of the Lord. Oh, let's clap our hands to God. Oh, I wish that somebody would get the victory this morning. I wish that somebody would act by faith this morning. I wish that somebody would get in hell's face this morning. <laughs> oh, I feel like hell's going to have a bad day today. I feel like hell's going to have a bad day today. I feel like somebody's going to get the victory today. Brothers and sisters, hell fears a church that is taking on that name. I'm not talking about having that name on the church sign. I'm not talking about having that name on, on a decoration on the church wall. But I'm talking about the saints of God themselves that are taking on the name of Jesus in baptism. Amen. That's how it happens. You want to take on the name of the Lord? You've got to be baptized into His name. If you've not been baptized into His name, you don't have the name. It's in the book. And hell fears that name because all power, all power. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power. Everybody say all power. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then the Apostle Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. He said, for in him, everybody say Jesus. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let me tell somebody this morning. In Jesus wasn't one third of the Godhead. In Jesus wasn't two thirds of the Godhead. But when you've seen me, he said, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. The fullness of the Godhead and the power thereof rested in him bodily. When you got the name of Jesus, brother, you got everything. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got everything. You don't got to get one, two, and three. When you get Jesus, you got it all. But hell, hell's not afraid of a lot of things. Nor does it have any need to be in the hour we're living in. Hell ain't got to be afraid of a church that don't pray. And hell's not afraid of a church that don't have the name. 
And please hear me this morning. Hell's not afraid of a church that won't do what you're doing here this morning. You say, well, pastor, maybe you're just getting me all riled up and maybe you're just getting me, I don't care if it's me or the Holy Ghost, I'm just glad somebody's shouting because when you shout, there's power in your words. There's power in your praise. There's power when you call on the name of the Lord. Woo! Come on, let's press into the Holy Ghost this morning. That's it, come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus this morning. In the name of Jesus this morning, let God do heart surgery on you today. Let God open your eyes today. Let God give you boldness today. Let God supply what it is you've been lacking today. He's here to do it. I'm telling somebody, He's here to do it today. That's it. Come on, everything's in order. Everybody's in order. This is a move of God. It's the move of the Holy Ghost. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. I have come down to dwell among you and to search your hearts. I have come down to search your spirit. I see in the secret places and there is nothing hidden from me. I have examined the hearts of this people. I have looked upon you. I have drawn you. I have touched you today. I am pulling you closer to me. Will you answer? I have come in this hour of visitation to speak to your hearts. I have come not to leave you barren, but to make you fruitful. I have come not to leave you in chaos, but to bring you peace, and that more abundantly. Hear the word of my servant, and hear the word of the Lord today. Receive what it is I'm trying to do, and call upon my name in your time of trouble, and I alone will save you. Come on, just let the Holy Ghost have its way here today.
in closing this morning. In the book of Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26, thank you for being so sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Sister Marlene, thank you for allowing the Holy Ghost to use you as a vessel this morning. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26, the Bible tells us that Paul and Silas were thrown into the innermost part of the prison. They wanted to make sure they were not going to get out no matter what they did. The Bible says at the midnight hour that Paul and Silas made a choice. And it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. And they sang praises unto God. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying they let their voice out. And the prisoners heard them. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you what just happened here today. The prisoners heard the voice of the Lord. Not just in this service, not just under roof but your praise and your worship prison doors have flung open in the valley oh I wish somebody would believe that this morning that's it brother Carl over two years ago, my wife and I walked on almost every street in Liberty and we prayed over every street. Prison doors are being opened right now because of your praise and because of prayers that were prayed. The Bible says that the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake. There was not a great earthquake because the prison rested on a fault line. There was not a great earthquake because it was just some sort of shifting of Teutonic plates. It wasn't just a coincidence. It was the praises of God's people and the prayers of God's people that brought a mighty earthquake. And the Bible says that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors all the doors were open and everybody's chains fell off. Brother Carl, you said they don't want you to be noisy until 7 a.m., right? At 7.01, you need to be walking around your apartment shouting and giving God glory and let everybody else hear you. Hey man, that way there'll be some prison doors flying open in your apartment complex. There's going to be some chains coming off of people's lives and coming off there. There's going to be addictions that are going to be healed. There's going to be diseases that are going to be healed. There's going to be souls that are going to be saved. Why is hell afraid of praise? Because praise unlocks prison doors. Why is hell afraid of praise? Because praise brings down unmovable walls. If you don't believe me, just ask Joshua and Jericho. You know what's in this place this morning? It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. 
In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, John the Baptist, he said this. They came to him on the banks of the Jordan. They said, are you the Messiah? He said, I am not. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He said, but there's one that's coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He said, when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Why fire, pastor? Because fire consumes. Fire brings out impurities. And so fire purifies what it consumes. In the tabernacle of Moses, the fire on the altar was never allowed to go out. And the oil in the golden lampstand was replenished two times a day to ensure that the fire never went out. Brothers and sisters, the oil represented the Holy Ghost. And it was the oil that kept the wick a-burning, brothers and sisters. That's why Jesus said in the parable of the ten virgins that those that didn't have enough oil wasn't going to make it out to the bridegroom. Amen. we got to keep the fire burning every day. we got to keep the oil full every day. Pastor, how do I do that? You do that by going to the Lord in prayer. You do that by getting the Word of God in your heart. You do that by giving God glory every day. Amen. Walking with Jesus every day. Surrendering your life to Him every day. I don't know about you this morning. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be somebody that hell fears. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be a high value target in hell. You say, Pastor, don't that scare you? No, that don't scare me. Because the Word of God is true. And greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world. Devil, go ahead and take your best shot. You've tried to wipe me out. You've tried to rub me out. You've tried to destroy my family. You've attacked my wife, my children, my marriage. Bring it on! I'll never forget about four years ago. And a dear elder in my life, an elder, Sister Elder uh, Arthur. Sister Elder Arthur, she came. And she said that they had just got back from a conference and that preacher was preaching on high value targets in hell. And she said, Brother Puckett, I just wanted to let you know, this is before I ever knew I was going to pastor a church. She said, I just wanted to let you know that as and this woman is a praying woman, she said, I want to let you know that as that man was preaching on high value targets. The Lord impressed your face upon my heart and to pray for you because hell was going to come after you. Bring it on! Bring it on! I'm telling you, I hope that's hanging on the wall in hell. I'm hoping that's hanging on the wall in hell and it ain't just me. That right there, I want to see that. You ought to want to see that because that's what's hanging there. There's a target in the kingdom. Oh, come on, give me one more. Right there, right there, want it. Hey, I want to be somebody hell's afraid of. When I get up in the morning and I go to prayer, I want there to be an earthquake in the foundation of hell. I want there to be an earthquake in somebody's prison. I want there to be prison doors that are going to come open because of my prayers. Because hell's not afraid this morning. 
of 21st century Christianity. But hell's afraid of a people that love the truth. Hell's afraid of a people that's in love with Jesus. Hell's afraid of a people that operate under the power of the Holy Ghost and have the name of Jesus called over them. Let's stand this morning. We're going to go into a time of worship. I think I know what Katie's playing over there. Oh, this is going to be good. Come on. Here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're just going to give God glory and praise. We're going to finish this thing off. Oh, I would to God somebody this morning would just go ahead and deliver the knockout blow. I wish somebody would just get happy. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been happy. Maybe it's been a long time since you walked around the, the sanctuary giving God glory. Maybe it's been a long time since you danced. Maybe it's been a long time since you shouted. Today is the day. Today is the day. Come on, let's give God glory. Let's move in the Holy Ghost this morning. trumpet and shout praising for the victory come on the weapons we use are not bombs and guns worship is the way the battle is won this is the way that we fight praising for the victory come on 